Craig and the Enterprise Value Collective. And welcome to the Value Coffee Talk podcast. This podcast is a service of the Enterprise Value Collective, a community for business value-focused leaders and practitioners, and is sponsored by our value consultancy, Genius Drive. Our mission is to help accelerate and optimize the value articulation in each of your customer engagements and throughout the buyer's journey. And to help us with that today, we've invited Tom Stubbs. He's a top-performing sales enablement leader, most recently with PepsiCo as the Director of Capability and Execution Excellence. And uh, Tom, when I was reading through, you spent close to three decades at PepsiCo helping to drive sales performance and growth. So welcome to you. Welcome. Thank you. appreciate you guys having me on. This is exciting. and I love the topic for today, so I'm, I'm super pumped up. appreciate it. Yeah. When it comes to customer engagements, um, research, it tells us that the top distinguishing characteristic of high performers, when we compare those sellers with the middlers and the laggards, it's that the seller leverages a value selling approach. Talk to us about your experience around value selling and it being an indicator of top performers. Yeah, thanks, Tom. That's so true. Um, I think when you think about, you know, middlers and laggards and those are, you know, average, below average. It, it, there's many factors, right? But one of the factors could be um, that drive that is not value selling these days, right? The, a lot of folks are getting stuck in the traditional um, way of selling. Coming, here's my programs. How many would you like to buy? And they're kind of in and out, right? Still relationship building, but they're not really bringing value to the customer. And really from a customer lens, I think they're looking at themselves like, Hey, this is kind of a pretty selfish seller coming here trying to achieve their goals. Times have changed, right? The expectations of the modern buyer has changed. And so I think they're looking for someone to understand their needs, understand their challenges, understand their gaps. Um, I think from value selling perspective, and what I've seen from many um, high, you know, high performing sales folks that I've, that I've partnered with, they sit down, they talk to the customer, right? There's this thing that we've heard all our lives called active listening, right? Hey, close your mouth, open up the ears. What does the customer have to say? And that can be truer than, than today. When you think about the buyer and all the challenges that they have and all the, you know, the things on their plate and all the worries going through their mind, they're worrying about you as one customer and, and you're kind of worried about your products. They want someone to understand, hey, well, what are your gaps, right? It is okay for sellers to have empathy with your customers. It's okay to sit down and be like, Wow, I wow, I didn't know that. You know, help me understand. And I think where high performers understand that more is they listen beyond the category and not just their products. Mm -hmm. What I mean by that, when you talk to the customers, and this happened to me and my my teams quite a bit, where they would actually bring up um, you know issues or challenges they're having that may not specifically be the beverages or may not be specific to snacks or foods. But the cool thing about all of us, right, we've got great talent on our teams. We're all pretty smart folks. We've had ideas that actually have helped customers before. So what that does is it shows you have empathy that helps out the customer and it's building that relationship. And I'll tell you, when you have a good relationship with your customer and you're showing value and there's a tie between you and the competitor, guess who's probably getting that tie? Guess who's getting that sale? So I, I definitely agree with that from that perspective. I'd also say with value selling these days, we need to have a, a consultative approach, right? We need to go in there kind of unbiased, unselfish, understand you don't need to have all the answers right away, right? I think a lot of folks are like, 
wow, I ask these questions and I start listening to this, like, I don't have the answers. I don't know what he means when he's talking about X, Y, and Z. That's okay. Take it back. Do some homework. When you come back, you could be like, hey, April, last time we talked, you were having these challenges on X, Y, and Z. Like, how are they going? Are, 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 are you getting past them? Are they still speed bumps? That builds that, you know, the customer's like, wow, actually, you know, Tom actually cares. He remembers that. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of companies have a lot of resources. Leverage those resources, right? Use your category management teams. Use your analytical teams. Use your commercial teams, whatever teams they are. When you start solving some of those other needs, that's where you start building the relationship. And that's where value, value selling stems from. I love what you said about approaching the customer and asking questions and saying, oh, that's really interesting. I didn't know that. It's really interesting how a lot of sellers think they have to know all the answers. They have to understand everything that's said. Um, And I think that kind of creates a fear of getting into the deep end of talking about customer challenges. Have you experienced something similar? Yeah, absolutely. I think we all feel like we've got to know the answers, especially with your customers, right? There's nothing wrong with it, right? We all learned this in school too. There's nothing wrong with saying, Hey, that's a great question. You know, I'll come back to you. Let's let me see what we can do. Now, once you do that, that's fine. But once you do that, the onus is on you for the follow-up, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I do think fear is, is a huge thing these days, just from that perspective. I think we're all a lot, lot of perfectionists, a lot feel like we have to have the answers. Um, and it, it probably does open up, you know, uncomfortable conversations sometimes, right? When when you have a buyer sitting there. But I go back to the empathy and understanding. And, you know, it's something I, I'm a firm believer. It doesn't matter if you're selling beverages, if you're selling tires, if you're selling software, if you're selling music, right? Instruments. We're in a people business. So the more that you can connect with your customer, the more that you can connect with your employees, because when you talk about value selling, it's a change, right? It's a different way of thinking, especially if you have long tenured folks, you need to develop those folks. You need to be able to, um, develop them, coach them, connect with them. And you do that with your customers. So I'm a firm believer. It doesn't matter what you're doing. We're all in the people business these days. And to me, that's the connecting factor. Tom, I love how you said, listen to understand and be curious and build that empathy instead of listen to just solution. Um, how did you get the sellers at PepsiCo? Like, what did you put in place to help enable this value selling muscle to be stronger within your team? Yeah, that's a great question, right? And and it's a journey, to be honest, right? Whenever you're implementing something significant, a different way of selling, um, you have to start with building a culture, right? And I think that was the first thing we had to do is build that culture. Keep in mind, building a culture isn't always a challenge with your sales teams. Sometimes it's a challenge building that culture and changing that culture with your leadership team, right? So it's got to be leadership led um, and it's got to be customer centric. So I think the biggest challenge for us, to be honest, as we were doing this is just getting all the leaders across headquarters and all of our divisions, right? To be married to the, you know, to the same approach. Um, But it's really changing the culture. If you do a top down um, approach, I shouldn't say if you, you have to do a top-down approach, right? We have all had managers, leaders before, whatever their priorities are, that's our priorities, right? So if I'm focused on value selling, but my leader isn't, 
the value selling isn't getting any attention. Mm-hmm. So we started with that and, and be honest, it, it took time just to get alignment. You know, I, I couldn't put it in terms of months, but it takes time to be able to do that. Then to be able to change your culture, right? You've got to work with all your various teams. When you think about value selling, it's not your sales teams, not just your sales teams, I should say. It's your go-to-market teams, right? It's your marketing teams. It's your category management teams. So you have quite a few different cross-functional teams, if you will, that you've got to be able to build this culture with. So um, leadership-led is number one. What we noticed is you would have our, our sales folks go into a store with one perspective. And what what happens, we've all seen this when you, when you look at the full cycle of selling. So selling isn't, you know, doesn't happen until it's out the door, right? So you get a salesperson in the store and the customer is like, hey, you know, Tom, X, Y, Z happened. That had to be the driver. That had to be the territory manager. That had to be the ops guy. There's so much finger pointing, right? So changing your culture, you have to get everybody in the band to believe, right? It, to go to the Super Bowl, right? You have to have everybody on your team, all positions to be able to uh, sing to the same music. So what we implemented to drive that culture Every quarter we did a, we selected one day, normally a, uh, I want to say normally a Thursday, but across the entire U.S., across all five divisions, we called it customer trade day. What we did is we paired a sales rep with an ops person, with a, with a um, territory manager, with a branch manager, with a director of sales. So we would have four to five people. They would meet up at a location. And they would go hit customers that they share together. What mm-hmm. that does is it creates this understanding. It creates this collaboration. Um, I remember I have a lot of reps, uh, sales reps and account executives go, holy crap, Tom, I didn't realize they have to go through all this shit, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I can't believe that, you know, what they have in their day. And they've got 27 of my customers for that day. Yeah. So it Man, built this, it, yeah. absolutely, it built this unity. Um I think the, one of the biggest powerful things, though, was a customer to see somebody coming from each department, right? Now, as they're walking through the store, they would walk through the customer and you would see you know, a sales rep being like, hey, this is why we have to merchandise this way, right? To the driver or to the merchandiser. So for me, it's changing the culture, making sure it's leadership led and making sure that you have this, um, you know, cross cross-functional collaboration. If, if you don't build unity, you're never going to get there, right? If you're doing this all siloed, you'll never get there. The, and I think the glue that held this together was before we actually did customer trade days, we would have a quick 60-minute call across, and we would have you know, four or 5,000 people on this call, big webcast, and we would talk about how to talk to the customer, how to collaborate with each other, what are the tools that you should be using while you're out there? So for us, we had a CRM solution and an interactive sales uh, application. They would all open up their application and they would walk through the store. They're all looking at the, the, the information. So it's basically having a single voice, right? Single source of, of information. And to me, having the tools along with that is what helped get us there. I love what you said about like team unity and operating in 
um, in cohorts together. I, it makes me think about like a jazz band, you know, if they're improvising, they know each other, maybe they've played together a few different times. Someone can start a groove and everyone starts participating. And when you have a team that operates like that, it can create magic with the customer, you know? And so I love how everyone came together, you know, understood each other's roles and brought that out to the customer. The only thing I would add to that, though, I may have sound like it was simple, right? Like, hey, you just get everybody in the field for customer trade day, right? Fires yeah. happen, right? People aren't showing up for work, all those types of things. That's where the leadership led has to come, right? So we actually had all of our VPs, all of our directors, and we actually had to have our uh, our president kind of set the tone for everybody. So I make it sound like it was a layup, um, but that's where the leadership led piece has to come into play. Makes a lot of sense. So, yeah, I, you know, I we've heard getting... from, oh, go ahead. Oh, okay. I was just going to say, we heard from, you know, a lot of tech companies who've implemented value selling in the field, but, you know, we don't typically hear it from manufacturers like PepsiCo. So I'd be curious how, you know, you see your program as different from the average. Yeah, that, that's a great question. Um, so when you think about value selling and, and, and I, I feel strongly that you can have value selling without a value program, right? You have a certain products for a certain customer. It's easy to go in, identify the values, put it into place. When you're a company that has a wide variety of products crossing a wide variety of categories, and you're coming to a customer with, you know, sometimes 10, 15 different types of promotions that you're trying to get floor space, price reduction, um, lobby space, all that type of stuff. The, the program, the nice thing about that is you bring all these different things to a customer, right? Like, hey, I can take care of the nutritionist. I can take care of the the kids that just played football, right? We got Gatorade, we've got snacks, all this type of stuff. So there is a there's value in that. There's a program that you bring together. Value selling, I don't think you can have a value program without value selling though, because mm -hmm. you still need to understand your customer. You still need to understand your customer's needs. Um, and I think from a, a value selling perspective, if you understand your company's priorities, right? You know what your big bets are for the quarter, right? For mm -hmm. the period, you marry that up with what you're understanding from your customer. To me, that's kind of utopia, right? So although I think you can have a value program that brings marketing, category management, all these different, like a holistic program to a customer, you can't abandon value selling. You still need to be able to have that to, to, to drive that, right? Otherwise, you're basically throwing stuff against the wall to see what sticks. You'll never build the relationship. And most importantly, you're not going to help your customer in the way that they truly need assistance. Yeah. Tom, having witnessed some of the program when it was implemented, um, and I know I got involved in later stages where you had already had so much success. So I didn't get to see a lot of the quote unquote sausage being made, but one of the things I loved was you had these priorities as an organization. You know, you were, there were certain products that you wanted to promote and do different things with. You had an intelligence that those were the right priorities to have to, to kind of grow the company. Then you had these programs that were oriented around that to promote, which isn't easy because these van drivers are so busy. And then you had those aligned to solving specific challenges maybe quote unquote that the stores themselves had and then couple that with like personalized insights on the stores themselves talk about the kind of the orchestration of all of that because we're making it sound simple but 
there was a lot that had to come together to kind of create this. Yeah, that's that's a great question. Um, and there's a lot in that question, right? Um, yeah, I, I think I think bringing it together is, is is not easy, but it goes back to I think you know, what I said about being leadership led, or what are those priorities? Once mm -hmm. you understand those priorities, you kind of have to bake it down, right? Um, what I would say is, as you're doing that, you just need to make sure that you're for sales, for go-to-market, for operations, shoot for marketing, we're all aligning to the same big bets. Mm -hmm. um, but we have to break it down by, uh, basically break it down by what are your personal, right? So you just have to boil it down basically for each. But I think the the, the whole leadership led, I don't, I don't know if I can talk enough about that. For that, for that cross-functional, right? If you have a president of a division, and he's making sure his VP of retail is aligned with his VP of food service, is aligned mm -hmm. with his VP of go-to-market, that continuous communication and that collaboration, I think is what's critical. The challenge that we have you know, with, with orchestrating is, let's face it, there's so much on our leaders' plates, right? I mean, they may have a, a dinner platter and you know, six months in they're having a you know, Thanksgiving day platter, right? It's just, there's so much on their plates. Um, business, uh, critical fires that happen every day so I think what I would say is what helped us is identify two things, identifying um, identifying someone who's kind of your go-to person that is kind of set on that task, right? Mm -hmm. If you have that, so we had that for each team um, and they collaborated together on either a weekly or bi-weekly uh, uh, to kind of make sure that we're focused on those goals. The, the one thing, Tom, I'd, I'd like to mention a little bit too is when you're implementing new technology, new programs, right, whatever it is, our sales reps have so much on their plate. And then you're a guy, you know, from, for me and my team, you're a guy from headquarters, right? That they don't, they don't know from Adam, right? They're in, you know, South Texas somewhere. And they're like, who is this guy talking to me? We, we knew we had to create this connection. So you may have heard a, a term called SMEs, subject matter experts or local process owners, LPOs. We set that up across the country. And, and I remember being in Denver one day and, and they're like, LPO, last person out of the office. Like they knew this is just another thing on my task that I don't want to do. Mm -hmm. So we actually branded a program called the SWAT team. And it stood for selling with advanced technology. And what that did, it gave us a brand. And we actually brought, we identified, I think we had 120 people, retail, food service across US and Canada. and what we did is it wasn't just about them being the local person to go to and to drive this, drive the adoption, if you will. It was about giving them the with them. What's in it for me? So these SWAT members we had across the country, we gave them experiences, leadership, right? Mm -hmm. We gave them exposure. When we had trade tours with our VPs, they had a chance they may never get that exposure, right? So we committed, um, and we had a team of, four that really own this across the country so some investment but not a crazy team of 10 investment right mm -hmm. but we did that and, and we created you know the team created we've all been there you, you create a 20-minute video you want everybody to listen to and if you're anything like we've all probably done in the past is the videos going on over here while you're working on something over here we had a team actually the SWAT team actually create these small micro little videos and that's how you that's how you train people and that's how you sustain it right every we can only retain so much so the more that are we're training folks and you give them a little 
snippets at a time. Combining the training approach along with a sustainable swap program, that, that's what worked well for us. When you say, how do you orchestrate it? You know, it's again, we did it from a leadership led. We identified folks by team, but is the SWAT team. It was this branded team committed to the adoption. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I love that in, in terms of mobilizing people, right, across the organization to get excited about the opportunity to participate as opposed to having it be a mandate, right? And then they see what's in it for me, what's the opportunity, and, you know, also probably feeling a sense of accomplishment from it. Absolutely. And if you go back to my comment earlier, we're in the people business. That's exactly it, right? So we actually had, I think, 120 across the country. We had 640 go through the program and 192 of them get promoted because of the exposure through the program. So I go, I go back to, you know, empathy, working with your, working with your employees, the nucleus of whatever we do has got to be the people business. Absolutely. So what is the one piece of advice that you'd like to leave the enterprise value collective with today? Yeah, that's a great question. Actually, uh, I want to make sure I got this right. So the three things that I would say is, um, again, when you're, when you're changing anything with significance, it's got to be the culture and your employees have to buy in. So the first step I would say is take time to listen, actively listen to your customers, right? Understand what the gaps are. Um, The second is instill and create this value selling program, right? As an organization, have your leadership align to what that program is. So, you know, listening and and creating the program is one. Two is it's so powerful to have this cross-functional collaboration and being able to go to a customer as a team versus one sole seller, they feel you know, may or may not have my best interest in mind. Mm-hmm. And the last thing I would say is, it's so critical to enable and empower your selling teams. Listen to them, um, give them the right training, give them the right development to be able to do that. You know, we, we've got a lot of folks who are probably pretty tech savvy, right, coming out of school, may with, be with a company for a couple of years, then you have the other spectrum where you have folks that have been there 25, 30, 35 years. So you've got to be able to create this program that enables and empowers both sides of the spectrum. Yeah. So we heard a lot of from you listening today, empathizing, and then empowering. Really appreciate that insight. Yeah. So thank you so much for joining us on the Value Coffee Talk podcast, Tom. Awesome. Thanks. Appreciate it. And Tom, I absolutely love SWAT. I'll call you Tom Hondo Stubbs from here on out. (laughs) Great. Thanks, Tom. Awesome. Please sign up for the Enterprise Value Collective on LinkedIn or on GeniusDrive.com if you haven't done so yet to stay in touch with us on the latest events, tools, uh, insights. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast if you liked what you heard so you get updated on the latest episodes. Hit the like button so we can get our rankings up and get more visibility, get more expertise like this out there to the community. And until next time, our Enterprise Value Collective, keep sharing and growing together.